Hey everyone, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And this is episode 130 you're joining us for. If you don't know what to expect, neither do we. So in the show notes, I have a time-stamped, topical, time-stamped thing where you can see what we've talked about throughout the show. The reason we do that is because Molly and I have been married for 14, 14 years. We've got four kids ages 12 through 4, and we don't plan the show. We just kind of talk and live our lives um, in front of you for the most part. So that's all I've got to say about that. Yep. <clears throat> I try to change up that intro a little bit every time. Not intentionally, but I still haven't found anything that really flows super well, so we'll just roll with it. Okay. Okay. Good. Feeling a little discombobulated right now. I've had a four-year-old who... <sighs> Has just thrown fits about everything today, and I'm really tired of her. Like, she's in the car on the way to violin, just had to yell over everybody else. Didn't matter how many times we asked her to be quiet, how much we gave her the opportunity for her to say her piece. She did nothing but yell, and she's currently upstairs crying because I can't make her happy. I know she's hungry, but she refuses to eat anything I offer her. The only thing she wants is that trail mix. It's not really trail mix, snack mix that you got at Costco mm-hmm. last week, which is peanut butter stuffed pretzels, peanut butter cups, Reese's Pieces, peanut butter chips, and chocolate chips. It's so good, you guys. It is very good, but it is entirely inappropriate for a child who refused <laughs> to eat her lunch and then complained at violin lessons that she was hungry. And then I, I let her have an applesauce in the car on the way home. And I said, that'll tide you over until we get home and you can eat some real food. And I didn't just offer her what her lunch was, although it was delicious. And I offered that to her again, too. I offered her all sorts of leftovers and other healthy things that were available in the fridge. Pretty much anything remotely healthy. She said no to. She only wanted the trail mix. So she's got really low blood sugar and won't do anything about it. And she's not getting her way. (sighs) And I just feel a little bit breathless because I've spent all day on edge trying to keep her under control enough that the other kids can have remotely fruitful lives. Um, yeah. Sorry, babe. She's special. Um, speaking of fruitful children activities... Uh, Titus, I just saw him come down the stairs, but he was upstairs when I came down making sausage and I should share this link with people. I like to make our own breakfast sausage using half venison or elk meat, ground elk and half ground pork, which I get, in my opinion, the best deal on it that's easy to find is at Winco. So I buy, this is how much breakfast sausage our family consumes. I've done this, this will be the second time now, but I was so pleased with how the last one turned out. I buy five pounds of ground pork and then mix it with four pounds of ground elk. So that's nine pounds of breakfast sausage. And then we just mix it with a whole bunch of spices. And as Titus is making it today, he's like, this isn't the same spice mix that we used last time. And I was like, that's the joy of making sausage. (laughs) (laughs) I, every recipe that I look for, oh, there's a four-year-old at the bottom of the stairs. She saw me looking at her and backed up beyond my range of view. 
So anyway, the joy of making your own breakfast sausage is you can mix in whatever ingredients you want. And I like to have a ton of different seasonings in it. So I just, I have not found a recipe that I like and just stick with. So we mix and match. But this one has fennel and sage and rosemary and thyme and garlic and paprika and pepper and brown sugar and nutmeg and allspice and I took a picture of him with this giant bowl and he put puts on vinyl gloves and make, massages it with his hands until it's all mixed through. And then this is the other part, besides the fact that you can make your own breakfast sausage, you can mix in more sugar, you can mix in maple syrup, you can mix in apple chunks. That makes a really good kind of sweet. The sweet savory is really good. And then what I did last time, which I plan to do again with this, is I spread this mixture out between two of the big sheet pans, like a full sheet pan, and greased the bottom. I actually saved some fat that I scraped off of a pork butt that my mom crockpotted the other day. So I'm going to grease the pan with the fat from the pork butt and then just smash it across these so it's pretty thin and then it cooks even thinner because the moisture cooks out of it and just broil it until it's a little bit browned on the top. And then cut it into sandwich, breakfast sandwich size squares, freeze them flat, and then stack them in gallons of black bags. And our breakfast, this entire ski season on Saturdays, we're, when we're looking for a nutrient-dense, will stick with you, lots of protein, carbs, uh, breakfast is English muffin breakfast sandwiches. And the great thing with the sausage squares that are pre-cooked, super healthy, is you just warm them up, and they're the right size, so you just warm them up out of the freezer and slap them on a sandwich. A couple hunting seasons ago, we discovered that breakfast sandwiches is primo for just keeping us going for most, because we get up super early and we're hiking all over the place. And And one breakfast sandwich will keep you going all morning. Yeah, and I'll make one when I stay the night in the van uh, for work up at the ski area. I will make myself a breakfast sandwich in the morning, which is really, really good. Uh, They make some good sandwiches there at the lodge, but mine are better. And I I think it's, well, one, the the sausage is better uh, for one thing. Um, I think the cheese and the egg are kind of like it's a wash. But the English muffins are, and both English muffins are store-bought. So I think the only benefit is the sausage. Um, But the English muffins, I fry both sides, so they're kind of crispy and soft, Mm. whereas sometimes I'll get... Uh, a sandwich and like the muffins straight out of the bag. It's like, God. at least warm it up a little bit yeah, or something. I don't know, but maybe they don't want to. You and I have I a difference know. of opinion on the egg in an English muffin sandwich. Uh, the egg that they use on the mountain is probably something they pour out of a box. Yeah. So it's probably one of those mass produced liquid egg mixtures. Yeah, but the other difference is maybe maybe you guys who are on our Telegram can weigh in on this if you have opinions. I like to basically make a mini omelet to go on my breakfast sandwich. So I pop the yolk and mix everything up. JR likes to cook it in a little ring, in a little circle, but with the yolk still intact. He cooks it like over hard over hard yep so that it's not squirting out everywhere as you're because then we wrap them in foil and eat them in the van on our way up to the ski area you don't want it like squirting yolk everywhere it's not like 
eggs benedict where you want to squish a yolk but jr likes to keep the yolk intact and cook it over hard and i like to make a mini omelet and then fold it over the egg yeah, mine comes simply from loving McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. Is that they what do they the do? Same thing. Yeah. If you eat through one, you'll notice that the yolk is uh, solid in the middle. Huh. I mean, I think okay. those are pre-processed patties too, but, um, but that's yeah, it's a, like, basically an over hard. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I prefer, I prefer that I, vibe on my... That's fine. I absolutely do not complain when you make it for all of us and that's how you make it it's delicious it's great but i when i make them i make the little omelet style i like it um so to give you guys a quick heads up uh, about the telegram group i'll include links to everything in the show notes that we might talk about that's relevant for you um the telegram group is our group on the telegram app we have a private chat group that has about 70 some odd members and probably 30 of those are fairly active and the conversations range from uh fleshing out or discussing topics we've talked about on the show um or new stuff people posing questions for things and you know it's kind of a neat little community where we we feed back into each other's lives a little bit and it's uh it's a good time um i am picking up a couple extra shifts at ski patrol because this is the season where it's been snowing kind of off and on all month so far and Everything is open on the mountain, but we're short-staffed because it's close to the end of the season. So, um, I do. We do expect to have a show, uh, in, not including this week, next week and the week after, and then the following two weeks, there is not going to be any shows because um, we're doing a uh, family vacation. Family vacation. So we'll be off doing the family Spring vacation Spring break thing. family vacation. Yes. So you can expect episodes 30, 131 and 132, um, but 133 is not going to happen until roughly the second week of April. Um, and yeah. Yeah. That's uh, all I have. I mean, I don't, I, I wish I could tell you that I was uh, discombobulated, but I've been mixing uh, music all morning for a song well, I, did, I did. I did want to tell people about the dinner that I made last night. If you guys have seen on Pinterest or Instagram or TikTok, it was kind of popular a couple years ago and then has become less trendy, but no less of a thing, I think, for some people. One pot pasta dishes where, it, and it, you can just look this up wherever you look things up whether it's Google or Pinterest or whatever, one pot pasta dishes. The idea is that you cook pasta like spaghetti or I did. Costco has like a variety pack of organic pasta and I used one of those yesterday. And you cover it and whatever other things you want cooked with it in water or chicken stock. I used a homemade chicken stock for a little bit more nutritional value. And you just cover it with a lid and cook it until the pasta is done. And in my case, I used I used the chicken from the chicken stock that I made. I used a couple handfuls of spinach. I used uh, two onions that I sliced up, a couple cloves of garlic, and oh, also a couple of sun-dried tomatoes that I had in the fridge that I needed to use up. And people will throw in mushrooms, they'll throw in basil leaves, and then you just cover it and cook it. 
And then in my case, I added a little bit of cream cheese after it was the pasta was cooked to give it some creaminess and some Parmesan cheese. And then about a tablespoon of basil because I didn't feel like it or not basil pesto because I felt like it didn't have enough flavor. And then it was just this kind of creamy, thick pasta. Anyway, the kids until Faith today. Faith loved it last night. Mm. And then, oh, I put some bell pepper, some red bell pepper. I thought it was super good today for lunch. Anyway, it was Lovely. super easy because the when pasta cooks, it kicks off starch into the water mm-hmm. that a a restaurant that it specializes in pasta actually saves the the water that the pasta is cooked in and adds it back to the sauce because the starches in the in the pasta water actually helps sauce adhere to the pasta if there's a little bit of the pasta water <clears throat> added into the the red sauce or whatever it is. So, anyway, if if you're looking for an easy relatively healthy, I thought my pasta to chicken ratio was going to be I thought there would be more chicken than there was pasta because I only used half a package of the pasta and pasta's pasta it just expanded like crazy <laughs> anyway i was like oh there's a lot of pasta to chicken here but then i remembered it absorbed the chicken stock which also has protein in it from the collagen anyway uh if you're interested in mixing up your meal plan with something super easy go ahead and google one pot pasta and give it a try <sighs> cool how are yeah. your chickens uh i haven't even looked at them today that's I think weird. the novelty's worn off for me a little bit. They're still awfully cute. They are super cute. They're getting bigger. The the older ones, it's amazing how much difference there is between chickens that are oh, just a week apart. The older ones are big, but they're not awkward teenage pullet chickens yet. They're still cute little babies, but they are getting real feathers and uh, getting a little ornery. They fly a little bit, and they poop a lot. Chickens poop a lot. Wow. I'm excited as I've been looking at trying to think through feeding the chickens a variety in their diet that's not just the feed that you buy. I know a lot of people feed chickens their scraps. And so now I just texted JR you guys yesterday or maybe the day before. I was Thinking we keep a compost bucket under our sink and all of our, well, not all of our veggie scraps because I do save carrot scraps, celery scraps, and onion scraps for stock. I have a gallon bag in my freezer that I just throw the scraps in and then when I want to make some sort of soup base, I steep the I cook the water with those. But otherwise, I, everything goes in the compost bin, but now things like, uh, leftover pasta, like I made a peanut pasta the other day that there was just, it was kind of getting goopy at the bottom of the bowl and there was less than one serving left. And I thought, yeah, I'm pretty sure I could feed this to the chickens when they're bigger. So it'll be interesting to see how much less compost we're producing because we're diverting some of it to the chickens. They can't have apple seeds. Apparently, no animal should be eating apple seeds because they have, I think it's cyanide in them. So no apple seeds. So probably no apple cores for the chickens. But uh, anyway, chickens are good. It'll be interesting to see what having 20 chickens is like 
as they get bigger and outgrow. Hmm. What are you Googling? 20 chickens. A rapidly outgrowing our basement bathroom hmm. that they still inhabit. But then they will add to the compost the trippy, trippy. because we're composting the pine shavings that we're mm-hmm. using as their bedding and their poop. I learned that chicken poop can't be used directly. Uncle Vernon probably could have told us this because he keeps he sells chickens or man and yeah, keeps to chickens. Tyson Foods. No, not to Tyson. <laughs> it's to Whole Foods. Oh, he my does bad. their organic chicken for like yeah. Hawaiian. He kind of raises them on his property. Yeah, but then he he got into the chicken business because to have organic fertilizer for his mm, uh, right for his plants. But I learned that you have to compost chicken manure because there's so much nitrogen in it. It can burn the plants if you just put it right on the plants. Unlike bunny poop that you can put right on your plants. But we have to compost it because otherwise our dog eats it if it's not mixed in with the dirt. Because <laughs> dogs are gross and funny. Gross. Um, so the one big thing that I've been thinking about in terms of deep thoughts this week. By Jack Handy. Oh, props if you guys get that one. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, it'd be really sad if a lot of people didn't get that. But I guess that's where we are in the world, aren't we? We were having a funny conversation after work uh, in the locker room. That's a 1990s... No, don't tell anybody. I am telling people. Okay, fine. I'll just end with 1990s. Go ahead. Well, people are going to pick up on it. But we were having a funny conversation after work about SNL and... um, the kind of the idea that different generations, um, you know, the generation that I grew up with is not the same generation that, say, one of our other patrollers, Dawn, is growing up with because she's 20 years after when I was yeah, watching SNL. Totally different. The SNL. cast totally changes. And then she's like, oh, don't even get me started on, you know, what cast is better, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't think it's a better thing. I think it's a generational thing. But then one of the other gals, um, I don't know. I think they were truly she was, funnier. She was. Years ago. She's in her sixties. She's now gotten back to watching the newest cast on SNL, which is hmm. kind of funny. But I haven't watched an episode in four decades. Ever. Decades. Norm Macdonald will kind of forever be my hero. Speaking of old school SNL cast, did you send me the thing about how old? What's his name? Fat guy in a little coat. Oh, Chris Farley. Yeah. Did you send me the thing about how old he was when he died? I uh, no, that was I think I feel like that was maybe Marshall. Somebody else sent it. Somebody to okay, but then did you see it? Mm-hmm. So you guys, how old do you think Chris Farley was when he died of heart issues? Right, because he was I, overweight. It was or as a drug overdose. Or is it I don't something. Remember. Anyway, remember. maybe we should Google quickly. How Somebody will know. Somebody will know. Anyway, he was 43 when he died, which is the age that JR and I are both right now. You are for one more week. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I I don't know how old I was when he died, but he sure seemed a lot older than I feel right now. <laughs> um, And anyway, that's just kind of neither here nor there, except it was <laughs> SNL cast. And... Uh, he, he was 1990 to 1995 in, on SNL and he died in 1997. So I was 17 when he died. And when I was 17, a 43 year old, if you were to have asked me before I found that out, how old was Chris Farley when he died? I would have said in his fifties 
because he seemed a solid 10 years older mm-hmm. than I feel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this is saying there's no, no, now I have to do math. This is saying he died at age 33. What? Wikipedia is saying he died at 33. Oh. He was Maybe born... that's why it was such a tragedy, because he was so young. Well, 43 is still young to die suddenly of something. Uh, he died of a drug overdose at age 33. According to Wikipedia, now I can't... Now I don't believe anything I read on the internet. <sighs> 97 minus 64 is indeed 33. We have outlived him now by 10 years. Oh, that's sad. Um, So, anyway. Just wrecked your whole funny little thing. I didn't have a funny little thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess it did wreck that. You know, <clears throat> I read something on the internet and, I was, and it was wrong and I believed it. No comment. JR smirking no. at me. Um so so we I think we touched uh, a little bit last week, maybe on some friend drama that our girls were having. Mm-hmm. And it's continued into this week. <clears throat> and some of it, by the way, I've given one of our children, whom you will figure out who it is, the option of not going to judo tonight. Because she's come home crying from the past three or four judos. And I don't know if she just needs a break, but this I don't know which girl you're referring to. Because I haven't been there for the, like the last three This weeks, Tuesday, so. she was crying because she had two different partners and they both bent her fingers wrong. One of the partners was the instructor. Oh my goodness. And bent- she just was being really fragile, cried when she got home. The week before, she cried because she had a terrible partner. And for, I to be but this fair, this is the to reason her, we have them in judo is for character building. Right? I know. I just feel like I gave her the option just today of going. Oh. You know, maybe maybe you're getting physically worn down and you just need a day off. And you, it happens. It's like you kind of need a break every now and yeah. then. Yeah. So I just so you know, I gave her the option. I I want her to have the character building. I don't. I mean, and I, so the the week before she actually, I was there and she got in the car and was crying on the drive home. And I was like, what's wrong? She's like, I have a terrible partner. All he does is like say mean things to me and try to hurt me. And then like when I actually, I get to switch partners and then I was with somebody else who just lies there like a limp rag. I don't remember what the word was, but just doesn't actually participate is either if you're in judo, you're either the technique receiver or the technique giver when you're doing when you're practice. Doing, yeah, when you're doing some drill practice. And apparently her first partner just tries to hurt her when he's the technique giver. And the second... That could be a matter of interpretation. And the, No, because Titus and Lily actually were like, yeah, he's... Oh, now you know which kid it is. It's not the ones that's Titus or Lily. <laughs> um, huh. It, it she, Titus and Lily were like, no, he's legit a terrible partner. And then they they switched partners, and then she got partnered with somebody who, again, Titus and Lily were like, yeah, all he does, wants to do is screw around. He doesn't actually do the move on you when it's his turn, and then he doesn't, he just kind of lies there and is floppy and doesn't participate and help you learn skills when you're on the other side of it. Mm. And so she got in the car and was crying because she just had emotionally battled terrible partners for the entire night 
And in that occasion, I was like, you know what? Part of judo is not just building skills, but it's learning how to deal with terrible people, who <laughs> with people who don't help you, who are not yep. engaged with you in a helpful way, with people who, when you want to be their partner and you like them, choose to be partners with somebody else, which was also part of her issue on that that night last week. And I was like, you know, I understand your frustration, but this is something that you need to develop the character to power through. But then when she <laughs> we're driving home from violin practice and she's like, the finger that they both hurt on Tuesday night, it feels like it needs to pop. But then I pull on it and it hurts too badly to pull it hard enough to pop it. Don't pull on your finger. And I was like, I, you know, maybe you just need to take an evening off. And at first she was like, no. And then she was like, you know, maybe I do need an evening off. And I was like, I, I would be totally fine with you taking an evening off and getting some emotional space and building some <coughs> resiliency to go back and get your fingers bent back again. Yeah. I wonder if we need to take, cause the last couple of years we haven't taken the summer off at all. And I'm just kind of wondering if we need just take a little season, just off. just take a little season off because I mean, even I think even about my skiing, I've skied so much. My body's really feeling it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's at some point you're like, ah, uh, you kind of you've done it so much, or you do it so consistently that you get to a point where you you don't have a lot of tolerance when things don't go well. Yeah, because you're, you're like, just why, tired. why am I doing this? Yeah, you're just yeah. tired. So, well, um, I don't think that coming up, we have the Fujiwara tournament in a couple of weeks. Yeah, like two weeks after we get back from our spring break trip, and maybe so just take time off after that. Possibly, yeah. I feel in. badly though because there's so many kids there. In the first class, and our kids are so involved in helping keep order in the first class. I feel badly when we miss, because then it's just... I mean, it's not their responsibility, but at the same no, time... No, I go back and forth with, with that, because um, there are um, <clears throat> managerial practices and certain logistical and structural changes that could be made to solve some of that problem, and it just doesn't. It just doesn't happen. Right. So to a point where I'm like, yeah, because I help out too, and I'm working on uh, getting my, you know, I hope to have my coach's certification this year. I, it's just like a part of me is like, well, there's a part of me that's like, you made your bed, now you're gonna lie in it, sort of thing. Um, and this is, I mean, I'm going into the into the weeds, which I don't need to go into for you guys listening. You don't really need to, you don't care. But anyway, my whole point being, I don't feel as bad as I used to. Yeah. I I mean I also I also think that it's good for our kids to have responsibility in helping and things like that. I like them being there to be helpful because I think it's good for them. Yes, it's very good for them, for sure. Uh speaking of things that are good for them, I this is not getting back to where I was originally trying to go with this, but we we babysat a couple of kids, a four-year-old and maybe a two-year-old, uh, Tuesday morning just mm. for a mom who lives in town and doesn't have family in you town. Guys, and- Molly shocked me by telling me the other day that she's watching somebody else's kids that are not hers. <laughs> she got this, she got an ask, would you mind watching? She's like, okay. And I'm like, what is wrong? Like, this is, well, who did so, I marry? What did you do with my no, wife? Because it's so out of character for you. It, it, well, 
what was I reading with Titus today? Gosh, I wish that I... Maybe it was for his English. Oh, it was a poem that he had to read for English. And it was basically, uh, don't, don't stop. Don't be content with where you are in life. And be content with your material things, but with who you are as a person. Don't be content. Always be looking for ways to grow. I like it. And and I have several friends who are phenomenal at helping other people out. Uh, I think of our friend Sarah, for example, who listens to this, so she'll know that I'm talking about her. Hi, but, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. But she is. she has kids who are both in college now and is forever looking for ways to bless people with younger kids because she truly delights in them. And she's raised a daughter who is a phenomenal babysitter and truly delights in other kids. And kids know that. And I also look at our situation in life and we live within half of a mile of both sets of grandparents, which is non-existent in our day and age anymore. But it means that I have, even with you being out of town, for work or for hunting or whatever, I almost always have backup. And in long term, I'm never left without backup for if if I'm sick and I can't help take care of the kids, somebody is bringing me food or, you know, I can go to the grocery store by myself sort of thing. And I just thought of this mom who doesn't live close to either set of grandparents. And I thought, you know, what is she? They're they're having to find babysitting for everything for date nights mm-hmm. or whatever. And so I just mentioned to her, you know, if you ever need need somebody to watch your kids for whatever reason, you know, I'd be glad to have you drop them off. And also, we have two girls who are, maybe one girl who is within a couple of years of being able to start babysitting and has zero experience with it. And, and you know, two more girls coming up. And so if we sort of start cultivating a culture where they have little kids around them, they'll have more comfort and more experience and not, you know, we've had over the course of our, we don't, we don't pay babysitters often, but it's very obvious when you have a babysitter who hasn't been around little kids very much. And when you have a babysitter who has, yeah. And it's not just obvious to us. It's obvious <clears throat> to the kids. They love the babysitters who are comfortable with them and who know what to do with them. And they do not love the babysitters who are just struggling through this because it's good money. So I want our kids to be the sort of kids who babysit well because they're comfortable with kids and they know what to do with them and that sort of thing. And uh, Elise was actually the one who was like, I'm going to shuttle these kids here and I'm going to have things planned for them to do. And Elise did all the work. She was phenomenal. And Lily kind of faded in and out because Elise, it was sort of a hybrid taking care of them slash play date. But Elise never gets to step up and take responsibility for things because she's just that lost in the middle third child in so many ways. And she's really good at doing that. She is. When she has the opportunity to shine, she really does. And so on Tuesday, when mm-hmm. we had these these little kids, she was the one who really stepped up and managed them, and it was great. It's fun. Yeah, it was fun, actually. Good job, Mom. Annalise. Annalise. Gave her the opportunity to excel and grow. Okay, so here's... We're, how much time do we have? 
No, we got another 20 minutes. Okay. Uh, we continue to just have discussions around our house about girls and friendship. And something that I have been... This is, this is not specific to young girls, to, you know, approaching middle school girls. I... I think there's this balance. I've been thinking about this ever since I did that women's retreat for our church. It was at the fall of 2019, maybe, that I did that. I remember. I think it was, because Faith was born in 2018, and I weaned nursing her going into that retreat. So she was, like, almost one and a half. But there's this, there's this tension in human relationships where God said, after having declared that his creation of mankind was good, it was not good for man to be alone. And so he made a suitable helper for mankind, which is, you know, husband, wife, obviously. But from a more general perspective, <clears throat> there's built into that it is not good. The only not good statement in the first two chapters of the Bible is that mankind was built for relationship with other human beings. And we, we cannot thrive in just being lone rangers. We cannot thrive and surrendering ourselves as much as we love our cats and dogs and our rabbits and our chickens and whatever other pet you want to incorporate into that. You know, there's the people who are like, I, I don't like other people. I'm, I'm, I'm a dog person. I'm just always going to be with dogs. or I'm just always going to be with my cats. Um, that is, scripturally speaking, an inadequate substitute for genuine human relationship. Where it's built into us the need to be in real relationship with other humans. At the same time, we are designed to find our ultimate satisfaction in our relationship with God. And we well also let's let's talk about being made in the image of God. We God is inherently a relational God because he is trinitarian, one God, three persons, always eternally in joyful perfect relationship with the other persons of the Trinity. And so there's this relational element built into the Godhead that is reflected in us, having been made in the image of God. I think that's an important element of understanding being made in God's image. So, and that goes for being made in relation, needing relationship with God as well as with other people. So the horizontal and the vertical are both built into that image of God relational thing. There's this tension in which we need relationship with other people, but we cannot turn that good good and that necessary good into a God. And we have to find our satisfaction and our relational fullness in God alone while also recognizing that we need relationship with other people. And I think that God gives us this ebb and flow in how well our relationships are doing to teach us different things about ourselves and about him and our need for him. 
So I think in the last couple of years, you and I would both say that we've had seasons of feeling quite lonely, yep. where we don't feel like there are people around us who understand us, who care for us. We watch friendships that we've had fade away for whatever reason. Sometimes it's just fading away. Sometimes it's like circumstances where, you know, somebody who had kids our age, now all of a sudden their kids are... I, I'm not thinking of anything, anybody specific. So if you think I'm thinking of you, I'm not. But, you know, your kids are all of a sudden doing like travel baseball or travel, you know, whatever it is. I travel fill in the blank, swimming, right. soccer, uh, ice skating, you know, whatever brings you, you know, and our kids are doing travel judo. They're, we're not traveling for judo, but you get the point. You know, we, our kids are now at the age where, we have to say no to things to have time as a family. And even that is very limited. And so we we have activities outside of our house four nights a week between ongoing family engagements, church, and judo. And that gives us very limited time to engage with other families, to engage with friends, to have downtime. That also, almost every family around us is making similar choices Yep. But in a different set of circumstances, which means that people that we used to have the chance to hang out with a lot because our kids were little and they weren't doing all these things and we had more margin, we just don't have that anymore. So that's that's at least part of it. And then for sure, the, in 2020, how everybody felt about COVID, the you know forced being at home and stuff with COVID, and then the, all the... Black Lives Matters divisiveness that for sure, if not cost relationships, created distance in relationships where we recognized deeper worldview separation that emerged through how we handled these circumstances. But then, kind of for better or for worse, meant that a relationship that we thought we had more in common with somebody than we actually did cooled. Um, and all of these things have driven us into seasons of loneliness. And I think God uses those to to do a lot of things, whatever he, he wants to do in your life at any given moment. But for me personally, it makes me recognize my frailty, my need to rely on him, my where I've been idolizing people, where I've been judging people inappropriately and idolizing myself. Um, also, where I have sinful tendencies in terms of how I think about other people and how I treat other people. Uh, reorganizing priorities that maybe I shouldn't have been friends with that person or have been spending as much time with that person as I was or been trying to impress that person as much as I was. As well as where I'm finding my joy and satisfaction ultimately. And then even if none of that is going on in your life, being a person on the outside gives you a different perspective and opens your eyes, hopefully indefinitely, uh, to other people who are on the outside. I, I know I've talked about this before, but when I was at church... In Philadelphia during seminary, 
the church that I was a part of for my first two years there was so used to having seminary students come and go, they didn't even really view us as people worth getting to know. Because you're just, you're you're in and you're out, and for better or for worse, the, a lot of people at this seminary, this particular church, did not last long there, like me. I, was, I went there for two years, and then I decided to find a different church that would welcome me more, quite frankly, and where I would feel like I could have actual church relationship. And there is almost nothing more lonely than being in church and feeling alone. And that left a, I can actually, as I'm talking about this, envision where I would usually sit in church at that church. They met in a school, in a school gym and I would deliberately come late. So I didn't have to sit by myself or make awkward conversation with people who were like, Oh, are you new here? No, I've been coming here for a year and a half and I work with the youth group. <laughs> in fact, your daughter is in my youth group that I work with. Ooh. Yeah, that actually happened a couple of times. And it was like, man, these people just, whatever it is, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm so nondescript and not memorable that you can meet me, you know, once a month for a year and I did not make an impression on you. But the fact of the matter is it made a really deep impression on me of how lonely it is to sit alone in church and Rosaria Butterfield, in her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, she also has felt that. And she believes that in the church where her husband is a pastor, she she finds it very important that nobody go home to have lunch by themselves. She said the loneliest hour of the week for a single person is the hour after church, if they have to go home by themselves. I I never liked going home by myself. It seemed like the natural, like kind of like step for the next thing was like hey let's a go family lunch, it, you go from from the family of god from a family celebration back to feeling intensely alone and so anyway all that to say that that grew me and made me a different person in a good way it makes me a better part of the family of god mm-hmm. i think that i have this awareness of how it feels to be a single person going home for lunch after church alone, after church. I am now trying to think about how to communicate these things to my kids who I want them to be good friends. I want them to value their friends and recognize you were made for friendship. You were made for a relationship but also throughout your entire life, not just when you get out of this phase of life, when this girl says something mean to you and you're taking it as a total, you know, what's that? You're totalizing it. Like she said she didn't want to play with me anymore. So, so therefore. Now, so now I can't ever play with her again. And it's like, I mean, maybe your play date was just too long. <laughs> we should set an end time. For the play date that that we had, but whatever whatever's going on, you can't back away and be like, "I never want to have friends again." But you also can't idolize that one friend, or it certainly doesn't help to 
fixate on trying to make this person your friend or on desperately needing to find friends. And um, I don't know. I've just been mostly going back to that balance, trying to... I don't think there is a balance. I think it's a constant tension. And God deliberately has us never be able to, for a long time, find the good balance between, oh yeah, I'm set with friends. I'm set. I don't know. Maybe there are people out there who are wonderful, good friends who have their tribe and never have stro- never you know, have, are set and never struggle with this. There are probably people out there like that. Those people are not me. <laughs> and for so instead of projecting me onto other people, I will say that I think for me personally, God puts me in this ebb and flow of experiencing sweet friendships and finding deep value and growth in Christ in relationship, real relationship with other people and saying, yeah, I was made for this. Before the fall, I was made to have sweet, fulfilling relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ. I was also made to find my satisfaction um, in God alone. And somehow those two things go together in God's economy where we can find sweet relationship with other people without in and through Christ and without turning that into an idol that replaces Christ. Yeah. It's interesting to see. um, It's interesting to see how that's worked out kind of even in my own life. Like I, I just kind of chalk it up to like, God's like, okay, this is what you need now, but now you need this. Yeah. And I'll have as... Um, but you don't get the the narrator telling you what you need no. now. <laughs> you just right. are on the boat, on the ocean, yeah. going where it goes. But I also recognize that like relation, like um, kind of my artistic side, if you will, I don't know how else to call it. My relationships are also one of those things where I'm, I'm, I think I'm, as Andrew Peterson wrote about it in his book, Adorning the Dark, I'm going to have a perpetual longing that will actually never be fulfilled Yeah. on this planet. Because it's not, yep. it's either not, well, it's supposed to be filled by Christ and sin blocks that. So, I, you know, it's kind of like my relationships. I'm never going to be completely, I've got some good ones. I always feel like they could be better. Um, I find there's, there's people that I find interesting that I'd like to get to know better, but it's like, I, I don't know. You're also I'm just limited barely scraping by, by, by time and situations yeah. and location and their, you know, location, other people's mm-hmm. time and situations. Even if you want to get some, to know somebody better, I mean, there's a family at our new church that it took, she invited us over for dinner around Thanksgiving and we didn't actually have a date that worked for both families until the middle of January. So for over a month and a half, we went back and forth about dates. And I find that to be the case more often than not right now, which is frustrating and discouraging and also just kind of a feature of where we are in life right now. And I don't feel like we're necessarily even overscheduled or overextended Yeah. For for our own needs as well as comparatively although it will be nice to have summer hit and not have quite as much going on so that we can really be just less scheduled 
Spend more time with our chickens. We try to be less scheduled and then something gets in the way. Something well, happens, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, we have four kids and all four do exactly the same extracurricular activities. So when we go places, it's more or less as a family. But we it still brings us out of the, ho- the house and there's the rush of getting everybody's mm-hmm. geese on and getting everybody fed and then class goes late so everybody gets home late and then there's a dinner time rush you know bedtime rush and anyway yeah. i feel like we're we've been fairly disciplined in what we choose to do and yet we still have relatively little margin yeah i feel you <sighs> i don't have anything else to add babe okay um i don't i don't really either truthfully okay. i was gonna bring down there it's kind of a it actually goes with what I was just saying, but our pastor on Sunday quoted a David Pallison quote that I jotted down on the top of my sermon notes, and I left it sitting next to the sausage-making recipe oh. upstairs. But it was essentially that any other, any sin problem that we have in life is at root a first commandment problem, which is that we're not worshiping the Lord our God above everything else. And that we're thus... I, if I remember correctly from the palace and quote, that we're not finding our satisfaction in God alone and valuing him. Thus we're making idols of other lesser created things. And so maybe I'll try to find that quote and post it on our Instagram or post it on our telegram or both so that people can see what the actual quote was. But it certainly goes with the, with a thought of, Finding our satisfaction in God. Uh, you can, se- you can send it to me and I can put it in the show notes too. Okay. Sounds yeah. good. May God rest his soul. Um, cool. Is that a biblical statement? I don't think so. No, think he's like, not resting. He's I mean, a surfer. Just... David Pellison grew up in Hawaii. He's a surfer. I... His soul does oh not need rest. Goodness. <laughs> we better, we better say goodbye. I'm making a snarky before. comment and I just get my head ripped off. Wow. I didn't rip your head off. It's actually a genuine question. Do oh, is it a biblical statement to it. say God rest his soul? I doubt it. Or rest in um, peace. Do did, do the Puritans have R.I.P. on their headstones? Oh, I don't pay attention to Puritan headstones. It's not something I do. Um, you did get a question on too busy to flush that you can ponder and maybe I did answer uh, recently. Answer later. Yeah, about forty six minutes ago. Um, Hey, Molly, not sure if you've been following the recent story, but I'm really curious to hear your take on the recent Josh Butler article about his book, (laughs) Beautiful Union, that TGC posted, then took down. If you have any thoughts, I would love to hear about it. Um, Don't respond now, but maybe we'll use that as a tease for either next week or something online or something. I don't know. I just have, I didn't actually read the article. Oh, okay. Never mind. But I read a lot of, there's one gal whose take on things I trust and she posted some comment threads about it. And, it's amusing. You uh, can't you, win in this world. Do you know what, what they're referring to there? I don't have any idea. Okay, but we he, don't I mean okay. Very, very quickly. This is all this actually is all that is required to be said and then I will try to find the link that I found the most helpful in going, I don't need to read this article. Basically he over sexualized the relationship between Christ and the church. In saying things like, <laughs> I've heard the same thing. I've heard the same thing being done in the in the book, uh, "Body Piercing Saved My Life." 
Um, the I author kind of over-sexualized the worship a, experience. This was a level that I had not... It was almost like he was trying to see how many sexual innuendos he could work into talking about for things like Christ penetrates the church. What? Yes, he said that in the in the article. What? <laughs> That's why I laughed because it, it might be true, but but I mean, he goes on like, oh no no, <laughs> something like compared baptism to like like ejaculation. I'm not even kidding. It was so out there. Do you get sprinkled or dunked? Um, sprayed. Sprayed. <laughs> sprinkled, clearly. Um, oh. I kid you not, this article was so over the top that in reading this one I must guy's... be maturing because I'm coming up with Nothing. not much. This guy needs has some I maturing. Feel, it makes me feel a little bit dirty if I start going there. But. Um. Yeah, the, the effect of this article actually was like, oh my gosh. Did he really <laughs> need to do that? Like, you know, you you can't read the Song of Solomon and like turn everything into a literal thing about Christ and the church, and he did, from what I understand. So I will try to find. But for what purpose? Why? Uh, um, because because his publisher was like, hey, you want to write a book on this? And he was like, yeah, I could write a book on that. It's not my area of expertise, but I'll do it. I mean, to put it really crossly, there's money in hot takes. Well, I know, but what I'm, you know. And, and he's, uh, apparently, <sighs> this one guy said he feels like, like, there are experts on these topics biblically. So why did, why did TGC take it down? Because it got so much backlash because it was so inappropriate. Was it inappropriate? But, it but it's an review, entire public. It? It, it was an excerpt from a book that he just published. Oh, they published an expert. They didn't publish a review. An it excerpt. was an excerpt or an article that he wrote <laughs> summarizing and, and promoting his book. But Oops. it was, I mean, just from the little snippets that I've said, which I don't think are, are I think are actually accurate representations uh, of what he said. I wish I was hanging around with either our witty pastor or my buddy Ty right now, because they would just be laying out just hilarious. But it's one of those things where it's like, after I... another... Like, yes, but also don't let unwholesome talk come out of your yeah. mouth. Don't, like, no coarse joking. And, th- like, this is a subject where... Crazy. Where it... it it's just fodder for coarse joking, and it shouldn't be because there's a beautiful relationship between Christ and the church, and we shouldn't really be able to reduce it to something that is so easily fodder for coarse joking. Yeah, interesting. And um, anyway, let me let me see if I can dig up for you to put in the show okay. notes, and I'll post on the Telegram. I'm glad I brought that question couple, up. That came oh, out. I mean, that came in right as we as like in. about ten minutes after we started talking. Um. Yeah, it that I didn't. I'm kind of. I wouldn't have read. I didn't have any interest in reading the article, but there were a couple of people that I follow on Facebook who were pretty fired up about it, and they posted some links that I thought were interesting and helpful and affirmed to me that no, I probably don't need to watch that or read that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Similarly, you know how I told you not too long ago that I'd seen an excerpt of the Chris Rock new Netflix special that we don't have access to because we don't oh, have Netflix. Yeah. I read a guy, a Catholic guy recently who was like, I mean, there were some nice anti-woke bits, but he, he doesn't inhabit the worldview 
that I would find the anti-woke bits balancing out. Like, he still had this total pro-abortion rant that is like, I'm all about baby killing. I've benefited from how many abortions I've paid for sort of thing. And Oof. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this, I I don't know. I, I feel like after seeing this more balanced review of it, I can have smile and nod at the anti-woke bit that I saw the clip of on Instagram and then move on with my life. I don't need to invest time in watching the whole Chris Wack special because it doesn't feel like it would be beneficial to us. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Okay, now I have some link finding to do. <laughs> oh, man, you guys, what a... Oh, I don't even know what's going on with life right now. Um. Anyway, um www.toobusytoflush.com, all grammatically correct, or tb2f.com. You can reach out to us and interact with us and comment about things we've talked about, or just give us feedback and your thoughts too. Those would also be fun. If uh, those would also be fun, if they're relatively uh, good, and I don't, we have no uh, qualification for what makes a good or a bad comment, but maybe something you know, we'd I'd share them on the show. Or put them in a Telegram, or otherwise uh, use use your comments. I really love hearing from everybody. Uh, if you do want to join that Telegram group, the link will be down in the show notes. Uh, any other links? Um, we didn't talk about much that needs to be linked, but I'll include those links in the show notes as well. We are a weekly podcast, so we will be around next week, uh, Lord willing, and um, in the midst of our chaotic, sometimes busy lives. Uh, other than that, I don't have anything, babe, to close out the show with people. Do you? Um, no, I'm no. Oh, a bit of a bit I'm of uh, a bit of pride, you guys. If you want to jump on to YouTube, uh, PlayStation's uh, has a trailer uh, for the game Zenith MMO, Zenith Massive Multi Online, something like that. But you know, the game is called Zenith. And um, it's a new PlayStation VR game. I, a couple of years ago, landed the part for the super uber evil evil villain. And I make a uh, uh, I make an appearance in this. I actually voiced the whole the whole trailer for the new video game for PlayStation. Um, it's my character pre-transition to evil. So he's still somewhat good. Will you do cool the character. voice when it's evil? Oh, I already have. Yeah, it's good. Oh. Yeah. It's the same voice. It's got a little more edge, not quite as uh, idealistic, um, but a little, but a lot more cynical. And then it's been affected quite a bit in post production. So that's a fun little side tidbit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll share that link in the Telegram group. It's gonna be kind of fun. Um, anyway, that's all I got, you guys. So we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>